different. Uh, last week we talked about, you know, did, did Jesus really exist? If you weren't here, get the uh, DVD or CD rather and get the, um, uh, it's up online. You can just go to our website and get it for free or a podcast. But it'll catch you up. Uh, tonight, uh, I was studying this, so I want to talk about it tonight, that a lot of atheism, that, that the rise of it in our country, uh, and um, just skepticism uh, by Christians uh, all over the world can be traced back, the rise of it, to about 2003, when a well-known book, somebody might remember this. How many remember the Da Vinci Code? I mean, many hands, okay, remember that? So a, a man wrote this book by the name of Dan Brown. He wrote this book called The Da Vinci Code, and it just set ablaze. It, went, it just went worldwide. It was top seller for many, many months, uh, number one. And then um, 2006, they took that book and turned it into a movie starring Tom Hanks, if you remember that. And so um, <clears throat> I don't know how well the, the movie did, but I know the book went, went everywhere. And um, he was disseminating a lot of information that he had found um, and we'll talk about that tonight. I want to, I want to start there. But um, the Da Vinci Code, basically, uh, the premise is that Leonardo da Vinci uh, supposedly put in uh, mystical things in his paintings and codes and symbolism uh, to back up these Gnostic writings, which I'll talk about tonight, uh, that, gave, uh, that gave rise or attention to the fact that Jesus wasn't who he claimed to be, or at least who his followers claimed to be. So I, I needed to, I thought, well, it'd be interesting because I'm sure a lot of people have either seen the movie here or have read the book or know something about it. And I thought that'd be a great place to start. Um, but the Bible does have some things to say about false teaching and also false teachers. First um, Timothy 1.3 says, as I urged you when I went into Macedonia, Paul was talking to Timothy in the church there, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So in that time uh, when Paul was writing Timothy, there was in fact some false doctrine and false teaching that was taking place. And so he was reminding Timothy, don't allow that to happen. Get some guts and some courage and kick them out because they're causing problem and confusion in the body. Then in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says this, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared, conscience seared with a hot iron. Okay, that means I mean, it's, it's pressed in. So in other words, um, again, Paul's warning Timothy and saying, look, we've allowed it to go on, on long enough. There's false teaching going on. And he's actually saying it's deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And it speaks all kinds of matter of lies. That causes their conscience to be seared. He's saying, beware of that. And then the third one he writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 35. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which accords with godliness or in unity with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reveling, um, e evil suspiciousness, um, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain from such withdraw yourself. So Paul didn't play around with false teachers. He says, get away from them 
as quick as you can. Otherwise, what they're teaching is going to get inside of you. And there is something about our flesh that wants to take things too far um, and get crazy with it and go to another level of which God never desired for. And you go all the way back to the, the, the very beginning of time where God had downloaded all man needed to know, all the wisdom that he needed to have was inside of Adam and Eve, but they wanted a little bit more, and therefore they ate of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. So there's something to be said about our flesh nature that wants to always... Uh, put a comma where there should be a period. Does that make sense? Amen. So, so we got to be very careful of that. So why, why talk about a book that was released 14 years ago or a movie that's released over 10 years ago? Because it has become a basis of thought within uh, the American uh, conscious and also conversation that needs to be exposed and debunked. And, but if you're grounded in God's word, you will not be deceived. But those that are not grounded in God's word and don't have a solid foundation in their walk with God, they fall prey to false teaching that's out there. And I, I want to just also recommend that you just don't listen to everybody that's on the internet. Hello. There's so much garbage out there, it's ridiculous. There's some incredibly good stuff but stick with the teachers that preach the word of God, amen. Stick with the preachers that stick to sound doctrine and don't get crazy with all kinds of thoughts and opinions and so on and so forth that can lead you down a path that will lead you into destruction. It's never good to add to what God's already said, this is what you need to know. Uh, a Barna research uh, poll indicates that 82% of Americans think that God, this is a quote, God helps those who helps themselves is actually a Bible verse. Some of you probably think that's in the Bible. Some of you probably think that it says uh, godliness is next to cleanliness or cleanliness is next to godliness. That's not in the Bible either, right? Fewer than half of all adults can name the four Gospels. Many professing, this is what Barna says, many professing Christians <clears throat> cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples uh, that, uh, that are there. And 60% of Americans can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Just see if you're paying attention. It's what it says. It's 12%. Another survey of graduating high school student, students, uh, seniors rather, revealed that over 50% thought that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. Also, a considerable number of respondents to one poll indicated that the Sermon on the Mount was a great message that Billy, the Graham, Billy Graham preached. So that is not Billy Graham's message. That was Jesus. He so just so you know. Also, people think that when, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, when I mentioned the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they ate from that apple, and when they ate the apple, it caused sin to come into their, into their life. How many knows the Bible doesn't say anything about an apple? It just says fruit. Amen. Or Jonah was swallowed up by a whale. It doesn't say whale. It says a great fish. It may have been a whale. probably was. But it doesn't say. It's just another way to remind us that sometimes we get things goofed up and messed up. And we've got to have a solid, sure foundation. Come on, somebody. Dan Brown said in, uh, in his book, or of his book, The Da Vinci Code, he said, All descriptions of artwork, architecture, documents, and secret rituals in the novel are accurate. And as for Dan Brown's credentials, he is neither a historian, nor is he a theologian, but rather a school teacher and has only written fictional books. 
You see this. So looking at Dan Brown's credentials, he's neither, uh, he's neither qualified or educated enough to give an opinion, and yet somehow he's got all these incredible opinions that he says are absolute truths. Um, by the way, cult leaders prey on people that have some religion, but little knowledge of what the word has to say. They have a heart for God, but then a guy that has a charismatic personality, a magnetic type of personality, starts teaching the word of God and then starts adding things into it for his own benefits to get followers to move in his direction and his way that's not the will of God. They will fall prey to it because they simply don't know what the word of God's got to say. That's why we as a church got to teach and preach God's word, live it, understand it, get knowledge of it, rehearse it, get our minds renewed to it. Somebody say amen. How many ever, some of you probably don't know who this is, how many ever heard of Jim Jones? Now, I'm not going to talk a lot, long time on that, but we've heard of Jim Jones, right? Uh, they helped me out, it was like, like 1980 or something like that, 79, 80, something like that, when we found out that uh, most people, was, he was on our radar, nationally speaking, but uh, he was definitely on other people's radar, and he ended up moving from uh, California to uh, Ghana, ended up moving there and starting what he called J uh, Jonestown, and took almost a thousand followers out there. He was not a man of God. He was somebody who, he started out preaching the word of God, and then one day, when he got a congregation big enough, he he took the Bible, literally took the Bible, threw it on the floor and said, you don't need to hear from that book anymore. All you need to do is hear from me. If I ever do that, kick my butt out of this church. Come on, somebody. You are a false lying devil. Amen. It has to be what the word of God says and nothing more. If I preach you something different, we got we got just call we just got to call it a day. It's the end of it. But that's what cults will do. They'll continue to move on uh, with it and for their own benefit. And they they got eagles. Uh, they have an ego that's the size of a room, and so they got to fill that ego up. And so Jim Jones gets these followers there, and over a period of time, brainwashes them over time with what he's got to say over and over and over again for all these years to the place where he was conditioning them to, to commit suicide because they felt the government was going to kill them, and the only way out was by suicide. They had to let, get rid of their life. And so they would have these drills to drink Kool-Aid, and then one day, there was actually cyanide put in the Kool-Aid, and 900 and some people lay dead in Jonestown. It was a terrible, terrible uh, tragedy that took place. And we had a, a, a congressman that died and some news reporters that died as a result of it were shot to death. It was a terrible, terrible time in American history. But my point of bringing that up is this, is that they, he was able to do that because he was not following the word of God. People fell prey to him. By the way, again, uh, th that's where, I don't know if people know this or not, but that's where we get the phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid. Oh, my, they're just over there drinking the Kool-Aid. That's where it comes from. That's, everything changed during that time. We learned so much more about cult leaders and cults and so on. So Dan Brown, who is a novelist, literally started a cult. Whether he thought to do it or not, he did it because he got a lot of, millions of people following this thing, and they're still talking about it to this day, which causes confusion. As believers, we need to know the truth, and then the Bible says the truth will what? Make us or set us free. And, and I'll tell you this too, before I go any further, I'll just think about this. Um, told my staff, we're going to do something special this summer. I don't want to call it yet. We're going to do something very special. We're going to walk through the word of God week after week after week after week. Get you so full of the word of God till you know exactly what you believe and why you believe it. How, how many would like to attend something like that? Like a boot camp almost. Because we got to have it in today's world. 
So the six main lies of the Da Vinci Code that we're going to attack, uh, we're going to do three of them tonight and three next week. But the first uh, three uh, is, is God, is Jesus God? Two, is the Bible true? Three, was Jesus married? Four, the Gnostic Gospels, are they real? Five, the sacred feminine, which I'll talk about uh, next week. What, uh, what is it? And six, the Holy Grail. So I'm going to talk about the first three uh, tonight, and then we'll pick up next week. So uh, number one is this, is Jesus God? Is Jesus God? Was Jesus merely a man? Was he just a mortal human being as this uh, Dan Brown asserts? He says that the deity of Christ was an invention of the church at the Council of Nicaea on 325 A.D. The church deified Christ in 325 A.D. This is his assertion. Dan Brown also asserts that the Council of Nicaea, they convened to decide if Jesus was in fact God, and by a vote, the church imputed his deity. Yet the fact is, he needs to understand his facts because he got it wrong. That they actually did convene, but they convened on a theological issue over whether he was, Jesus was in fact co-eternal with God. And the vote was a landslide victory, 298 to 2, that he was in fact co-eternal with God. What does that mean? It means that this, they found that Jesus has always existed with God, that he was before the foundation of the world. And that was the vote. Not that he was in fact God, but that he's always existed with God and always will exist in God. Also, don't forget that Jesus' followers who had worshipped him as God for the past 300 years from, from 0 to 300 AD um, had even died for him as martyrs and absolutely believed in him as God and would not have uh, given their lives for him unless they were fully convinced that he was God. The, the council of Nicaea did not meet to decide if he was God but to affirm his deity that he was co-eternal with the Father. So let's look at the word and see what Jesus said about himself. Because look, either he's telling the truth or he's not. Either he is telling the truth or he is a what? Liar. You can't have it both ways, church. You gotta make up your mind. That's what we gotta tell people. We believe him because we believe him to be a truth teller. He's never been caught in a lie. Therefore, he's got to be telling the truth. And we can find most of this in the Gospel of John. Number one, Jesus claimed the authority to forgive sin. Mark 2 says this in verse 5, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes, the religious people, were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They were right. They were correct in saying that. But they did not see Jesus in deity. They didn't see him as God. But Jesus said, I forgive you. So in other words, he was saying, I'm God on planet earth. Number two, Jesus' accusers believed he was claiming to be God. And John 5, 17 says, but Jesus answered them, 
My father has been working until now, and I have been working. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he, he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Jesus made no bones about who he was. Number three, Jesus claimed that knowing the son, that knowing the son was the same as knowing the father. John chapter 5, 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most surely I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may, may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, uh, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Wow! Either Jesus is telling the truth, or he crazy. Come on, somebody. Amen? You, have, you can't get it both ways. He has, it's one or the other. It's black or it's white. Um, number four, Jesus claimed for himself uh, one of God's highest names. Did you know that? John chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. That's capital because that's a name of God. We find in the Old Testament when he tells Moses, Moses, who should I tell him that sent me? Who am I going to tell Pharaoh that sent me? He says, tell him I am has sent you. I am. Amen, somebody. So he's likening himself to the Father. Number five, Jesus did not stop people who worshipped him. So people who worship him, that would be considered man worship if it wasn't God. John 9, 35. Uh, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when, when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus didn't stop him. Number six, Jesus claimed he was alive before the world began. John 17, 5 says, And now Jesus prayed, And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Are you starting to get something now here? Come on, Jesus wasn't just a man that was born all of a sudden and had no background. He's always been. Amen. Also, number seven, um, Jesus didn't rebuke Thomas when he called Jesus God. Uh, John 20, verse 27, this is after the ascension. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger in here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Number eight, Jesus claimed eternal existence with God. John 8, 58, we read it before. He said, I am. And I've always been. Number nine, Jesus claimed to be one with the Father. John 10, 25. Uh, he said, I and the Father are one. And number 10, at his trial under oath, Jesus affirmed before Pilate and others, the Sanhedrin Council, that he was the Christ and his claim condemned him to death. Matthew 26, 62, and the high priest arose and said to him, do you answer nothing? What is it that these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. 
Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you hereafter, you will see the son of man sitting on the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven and they cry blasphemy. Okay, look, even if, even if there were only claims of Jesus while he walked on earth, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be enough. In fact, had he not risen, had risen from the dead, he couldn't be all that he claimed to be. There have, there have been liars, there have been lunatics out there that have claimed to be deified and been the Son of God or the Savior or even the Messiah. And yes, Jesus is, is one of those men that they claim to be a good man or, or a rabbi or a great teacher, and he was all of that. But he wasn't a lunatic, and he wasn't a liar, because everything he said came to pass. But his greatest miracle was not the lame and, and not the dead being raised to life or, 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 or not uh, the, the blind being able to see, but the fact the biggest miracle was they killed him, but in three days he arose from the grave. The resurrection is the greatest miracle, because without the resurrection, come on, we don't have a Christ. And that old song, everybody say, because he lives. I remember the old song, you're about, you're about, if you don't go back a little ways, you won't remember. I remember this song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, oh, he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Come on, put your hands together. Come on, he lives. It all means nothing if in fact he did not rise from the dead. Because if he did not rise from the dead, we said it last week, this is what the word of God says. We are of all men most miserable if he did not come up from the grave because we are still in our sins. And if that's true, then we wouldn't know the joy of the forgiveness of our sins like we do. The thing I get up every day and give God praise for is I'm no longer in my sin, but I've been born again and I get to go to heaven. Come on, church. I'm telling you, that's what I pray every day. I thank him every day. Not to mention all the martyrs of all the ages would, wouldn't have died uh, for this Jesus if he had not come. And they weren't fully convinced that he came out of that grave. They would have died in vain for a mere mortal, for a mere man. And they did not. Number two is the Gnostic Gospels that Dan Brown talked about in his book, which a lot of atheists and skeptics now bring up. Are they real? First of all, what is Gnosticism? Gnostic means knowledge. It means to know or knowledge. In the second century AD, it was the spiritual knowledge that the elite or insiders possessed, and it was upon that that they based their salvation. Okay? Not in Christ, but on specific revelation knowledge. In a nutshell, they believed that matter, matter was evil, but spirit was God. The problem is that, that they're having, if Jesus is God and appeared in flesh, which is matter, that makes it evil, and then he couldn't be God. So the solution, they had to fix this uh, with a solution um, that they claimed that Jesus wasn't actually matter, but he was completely spiritual. Well, if he was completely spiritual, he couldn't have died a physical death. 
So it was either that in their minds or he couldn't be spiritual at all. So they had to get rid of the flesh part of it, the matter part of it. And therefore, they, that Jesus could not be divine, okay? Gnosticism pretty much died out after the fourth century um, AD. But it was revived again in December of 1945 when an Egyptian peasant stumbled on a cache of 52 messages, some of which were written by Gnostics. Dan Brown claims that the, he claims the validity of these messages and he asserts that the Bible is the product of man and not of God. Listen to this. And that the Bible can't be trusted or relied upon because he's, he writes, quotes, uh, because it has evolved through countless translations, editions, and revisions. But then he says that we can trust the Gnostic Gospels and he builds his novel on the writings of the Gnostic Gospels. By the way, they, they found uh, 45 works uh, and not 80 as he claimed. He claimed there were 80 works, only 45, and only five of which were called, Gnost or called Gospels, rather, uh, the Gospel of Truth, of Thomas, the Egyptians, Philip, and Mary is what they found. It doesn't seem to matter to him that they were determined by heretical, uh, uh, rather by, by men of, uh, of renown, that these things were heretical in nature by the close of the second century. And most of them were written between 200 and 300 years after the canonical um, uh, uh, fourth gospel, which is the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John which were all completed by the close of the first century. So that's a lot of information I'm giving you, but I want you to know the seriousness of it. So not to mention that the canonical gospels have accurate details of historical dates. Talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the one you got in your Bible. Those are the canonical gospels. They have accurate historical dates. People and places are accurate and events in contrast to Gnostic gospels, which were written in the style of fable. So Gnostic gospels were not written on facts, but on stories or on fables about Jesus. Um, just be, to be clear, the Gospel of Mark was one of the earliest written in 60 AD. Matthew and Luke were written in 70 and 80 AD. The Gospel of John and the book of Revelation were written by John on the Isle of Patmos in 900 to about 100 AD. So here's how the New Testament, your Bible, was developed. Um, it was written from various places, Jerusalem, Antioch, Corinth, and Rome. And by the way, I'm going to go into a really big study about this in, in, in the summer months. But it was also copied and circulated. It was recognized as bearing the marks of God. Uh, it was copied carefully. We have 15,000 manuscripts that all coincide. Uh, they, they always copied from the Greek, to, uh, from the Greek and Aramaic. The New Testament is the most reliable book in history because of, number one, the care and the, the, care and the copying of it. Uh, number two, the number of copies, copies that they have to compare. And three, the closeness of the copies to the original. So sometimes when copies go out, it, won't it will no, no longer uh, match the master. Well, those copies absolutely match the, ma the master. So it was carefully done. The truth is, for writings to be uh, accepted in our Bible, they had to meet the strict criteria established by our church forefathers. So what criteria helped them determine this? Um, first of all, they, they said that, that this writing has to be ancient. It has to be ancient. Uh, the book had to be written near the time of Jesus and his original followers to be considered inspired by God. This tends to exclude any writings dated after the first century. Uh, number two, it had to be apostolic. 
The book had to be written by an apostle or a companion of an apostle. And we could just look at the four gospels we have to see that's true. Number three, it had to be orthodox. The book had to be consistent with the teachings already accepted as having come from Jesus and his original followers. So there's checks and balances. Number four, it had to be accepted. The book had to be widely recognized and accepted by a large portion of the Orthodox Christian Church in its day. So check this out. The so-called Gnostic Gospels that Dan Brown wrote his book on are heretical precisely because they were secret documents in contrast to the apostolic writings that were widely circulated. Tell them I'll get my pizza later. Just let them know, okay? I ordered a little bit too soon, I'm sorry. Also, Dan Brown says, fortunately for historians, some of the Gospels that Constantine, by the way, I'm going to preach on Constantine this Sunday, um, attempted to eradicate managed to survive. The Dead Sea Scrolls were found in the 50s, hidden, I'm talking about 1950, hidden in a cave near Quan Ram in the Judean desert. Church, there is no evidence that Constantine tried to destroy the Gospels. Nowhere. No writing about it. In fact, if anything, he was trying to promote Christianity for the sake of his empire. And I'll teach about that on Sunday, by the way, because it has to do with Passover. And they weren't discovered in the 1950s, as he says, but they were discovered in 1947. And there were no Gospels nor any Christian documents of any kind discovered with the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were largely Old Testament writings and fragments and commentaries, extra-biblical works, and business records. Okay? That's what they found. But Mr. Brown is claiming that that's not true. But he's wrong again on all the counts, except for the fact that we're found in a cave in Quanram. The fact is that Dan Brown created a piece of fiction that is based on the Gnostic Gospels, which were largely a collection of fables and stories thrown out as heretical, but as a, a work of heretics by the end of the second century. The church didn't even look twice at it. He claims that Jesus somehow revived. Listen to this. He claims that Jesus somehow revived from the crucifixion. He didn't die. So he said, yeah, he continued to live. They got proof of him living a little bit after that, but he didn't die, really. He just got off the cross. They took the nails out, and he got beat to half to death, and he somehow survived in the night. They put a little, what was that little mercurochrome on him, amen, and they were able to just, he was able to survive. Then uh, he married, he actually married Mary Magdalene. And they escaped to southern France to start a family with their daughter, Sarah. Oh, yeah, it gets rich. They started a secret bloodline of descendants, which was protected by the secret Catholic order, the Opus Dei, and guarded to this day. That is what he's peddling. He wants us, and now when I say he, he kind of started this uprising. And people that follow that junk wants us to believe that the Gnostic Gospels are what the true Gospel is, which have been thrown out, have no congruency, broken off pieces here and there, can't even figure out what happens, what it's even meaning, and yet we got the whole canonical log of information with 15,000 manuscripts, but we throw that all away because that's not the truth. Sounds like a bunch of rebellious people that don't want to answer to God to me. Now, now that's, that, that's my take on, on all that. And number three, and I'll close this pretty easy because I think we kind of dealt with it already. Number three, was Jesus married? Dan Brown builds an entire story on a rejected, heretical, Gnostic gospel that was written at least 100 years after the canonical 
four Gospels, and none of them make any reference to Jesus being married. None. Not even the Gnostic Gospels do. All Philip's, that's why one of the Gospels, that, the Gnostic Gospel, all Philip's Gospel says is that he kissed Mary. But the text is incomplete. It was broken right there after that. So you don't know where he kissed. Did he, did he kiss her on the nose, on the cheek, on the hand? We don't even have a clue, right? And it's not unusual in the Middle East for cultures, people kiss. Well, I, when I first started this church, you all don't know this. I first started church, I kind of freaked out a little bit. Like, we got to stop this. What's going on here? We got to stop this. Why? We had a bunch of Hispanics that were going to our church. And I didn't know that, I didn't, look, I didn't even, look, I'm going to tell you how, how ignorant I was. I grew up around black people, so I, I, I almost did, I didn't have, I was like a regular white guy, you know what I mean? So, so but I wasn't around any Hispanics at all. I, I didn't even know the difference between Mexicans and Puerto Ricans. I had no idea. I thought they all just, and I didn't know they all didn't even get along, praise God. Look, they won't even laugh. They won't even laugh right now because that's how serious it is to them. How dare you call me that? Well, I didn't know. I didn't think about it, I guess. And so I saw each other they coming in, and the guys were kissing the girls in the cheek, and the girls were kissing the guys in the cheek. I'm like, we got to stop this stuff, man. This is getting out of control. There are people kissing each other. This is not right, man. And I found out it's just, a, it's just a cultural thing that they do. Well, it's the same thing that was happening in the culture back with Jesus. So it was not uncommon for people that loved each other that to kiss each other in cheek and greet each other that way. By the way, there's no word in the Aramaic where companion means spouse. And certainly no mention in the New Testament at all. So it does say that Jesus was a companion of Mary. And that's it. That's all there is. Church, Jesus did not come to procreate. But the Bible says he came to seek and to save the lost. He's in love with his, his bride, which is the church, which is all the believers, every one of us. That's what he's in love with. That's his mission and purpose. And on top of all that, as Jesus hung on the cross, he showed no special care or concern. Mary was there, you know. He didn't say, I'll be back, my love. He didn't say anything to her. Did he? Didn't. But what's he do? He tells one of his disciples, John, he said, take care of my mother from this day forward. She's, she's your mother, and mother, this is your son. He was more concerned about his mother than it would be his wife. Also, Jesus was not married to Magda, uh, Mary Magdalene at all. We know that. Um, uh, they did not go to France. They did not elope. Come on, somebody. Hang out in the Riviera, what do they call that, right? There's no royal bloodline. There's no conspiracy to cover up of what happened. I will just say, if I had a microphone, I'd just drop it right here. Bang. Debunked. Come on, someone say amen. Debunked. Amen. All right. So, I'm so sorry. I had to speed it up at the end there, and I, I, I trailed off.